Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Sammy. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And obviously, if I'm leading off, guys, this means I chose the movie for this week. And once more, we are delving into that back catalog of that thespian of thespians. Not really. Jack Black. So this is part of our Jack Black month, guys. And this time, we're, we're, we're taking another step back, right? And we're going to be talking about School of Rock. Hilarity and hijinks with a melody to Jack Black's time signature, right? Um, it, was anyone ahead. surprised that our, that our host, who's a teacher, picked The School of Rock? <laughs> for Jack Black that, that'll come up later. We'll talk about that. <laughs> But, you know, this is one of those movies that I think in some ways it tries to tap into a little bit of that Disney musical movie format, but it's got that little bit of Jack Black edge to it. So uh, I'm interested to see what you guys think. Yeah, it came out in 2003, directed by Richard Linkletter and Mm -hmm. written by Ned, I mean, uh, Mike White. Who plays Ned in the movie? Uh, he said, and he said he wrote this specifically for Jack Black. I think he writes a lot of things that. specifically for Jack Black. I, I do too. I was looking at his filmography. He's he's got a he's got a pocket. Well, they um they they have a shared production company called Black and White. I think it's Black and White Productions. Black and White Productions. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and yeah, I was seeing some of that too. He he's got a pocket, but you know, guys, I think we should take this to school and give it a one hundred by keeping it one hundred. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right, Sammy. Okay, so I will lead us off. I've got my timer up and I'm getting started. September 8th is one of those days in geek history that holds significance. It was on this date in 1966. Audiences were introduced to the Starship Enterprise and her crew. And at each September 8th, we celebrate Star Trek Day. And this year was a great example of what Trek brings to audiences. There was this wonderful live event on both Paramount Plus and YouTube where showrunners, producers, and crew members unveiled the next phase of Trek history. We were given looks and release dates at the new animated Star Trek Prodigy, and season four of Star Trek Discovery, as well as trailers for P- season two of Picard, Oh Mon Capitan, and a tease for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And the great thing about that is we have more legacy characters that are going to be taking this trip with Pike, Spock, and number one, Nurse Chapel, Uhura, and we've got another interesting crewmate named Lahan Noonien Singh. So I'll be interested to see where they go with that. All of this hosted by the great Will Wheaton and daughter of Jordy LaForge himself, Micah Burton. Um, so once again, CBS and Paramount add to the mythos. And that's why Star Trek Day 2021 was my keeping it 100. Well, that was easy for you to say. <laughs> some of us uh some of us observe star trek day some of us didn't know it was a thing <laughs> well this is the first year they've got to gotten to do it live 
Um, it's the past few years, obviously, they've, they've been doing this all virtual and through Zoom. So they actually were masked and, you know, socially distanced, but they had orchestra. It was the whole deal. So it was really fun to watch. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy for you. <laughs> all right, well, I'm up next. And I'm going more old sci-fi, but even more obscure than Sammy. <laughs> so um, one of my all-time favorite movies is 1975's Rollerball. Um, and I rewatched it this week just because um, we were going to watch it for the show and then there were reasons we couldn't. <clears throat> and I've just been kind of having a hankering for it. And so Rollerball is a, a dystopic future sci-fi movie. And it's a world where... Um, the, there were these corporate wars and basically the world is now run by six corporations and they've sort of segregated themselves by like region. And so like the Houston, you know, area is the energy area. And so James Caan plays for the Houston energy, uh, rollerball team. And I love that it's a sports ball movie and it's sci-fi. I mean, those are some of my favorite stuff, you know, and, but they actually put some thought into this made up sport. Um, you could, you, I think you could, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. You could probably play rollerball. Um, it's, brutally violent but <laughs> it's in it, it, it's thought through like it's you know a lot of made-up sports for movies don't make any sense and they wouldn't work they put some thought into it and i like that the um the the dystopia stuff it's it's interesting the way it plays out and the way they try to control people's lives and how um james con gets woken up to to what's going on around him and how he begins to push back and, and assert uh, assert himself in the uh, against this you know incredibly powerful uh, cor- corporate world and just the, the way that they, the things they use to control the populace. Um, it's a very entertaining movie. Uh, just word of warning as my time runs out, it is a movie from the 70s. So there's a lot that, that goes along with that. So roll the ball is by keeping it 100. All right. Yeah, sometimes I don't have to set a timer, but I think I'm going to need to set a timer for mine. Because <laughs> well, I'm, I'm keeping with the thing. Go ahead, Jamie. What was you going to say? I was going to say, um, before we had, we had uh, Rollerball is only available on Pluto TV, and good luck finding that in a search engine. Um, <laughs> this month, it got added to Amazon Prime. So Rollerball is yes. much easier to find now. At some point, I'm going to watch that. Just because you've, you've talked about it so highly, just for it's fun, it's all those types of things. So I'm going to have to check it out. Well, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a thought-provoking movie, too. That may need to be added to the mix for this week. But... Uh, this week, uh, I'm talking about, <clears throat> we keep with the theme of our music. Netflix has not let me down with another music documentary. Stephen Perkins kind of hosts this thing. If you don't know who Stephen Perkins is, he's a drummer for Jane's Addiction and Porno for Pyros. Uh, he brings in Chad Smith of the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Chicken Foot, uh, Samantha Maloney from Hole, uh, <clears throat> the lady that drums for Lenny Kravitz, oh. Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden, documentary called Count Me In, a documentary all about drums. And who knew drummers were smart enough to make documentaries? But this <laughs> thing is so much fun and how they keep the beat and, and how much music means to them and how important that rhythm is to their lives and how it applies to all of our lives. And as as they go through the journey, you know, of, of picking up the drumsticks for the first time, 
of learning the beats, learning the songs, breaking big, you know, playing in drum circles with friends, world tours. It, it culminates with the four drummer drum off and is just so much fun. I was expecting Will Ferrell to show up and, and torment Chad Smith some, but he didn't. <laughs> but it's it's really a ton of fun. So if, if you like music, and especially the drums, you see some people beating the daylights out of some skins and cymbals, uh, check it out. Count me in on Netflix. Hmm. It's funny how, like, the, the personality that's directed toward each instrument is... It's so it's it's so recognizable. It's so recognizable, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking when I was when I was talking about this. You know, because you have your 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 bass player who's just you know he's just playing bass. And you have your drummer who's just this this sloppy crazy animal, and you know, your mysterious guitar player and the, the, and the conceited lead singer. You know, and David Lee Roth said it best. He said, "You know, how does the lead singer screw in a light bulb? He just holds it up, and the world revolves around him." <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You want to give us some grades? Let's go for it. Shame you want to take us to school and lead off. Uh, I've done enough school. I'm done. Um, <laughs> I, I will give out a grade. I don't want to earn any more. Um, I, I really like School of Rock. Uh, it's a fun movie. Um, Plot-wise, this is well-trodden ground. <laughs> this is not... There's not. This is not a unique story. Uh, there's nothing new in, or inventive here other than all the faces that Jack Black makes. Um, but it is very charming. And it is very entertaining. And so I'm going to go B-plus on it. I had a good time. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, I'm really, really, uh, really close to you, Jamie. Um, it, it, and this, I'm going to go my notes word for word. Good movie. It's a cool movie. Love the music. Love the kids. I love John Cusack. Just not you know, sure if it's a kids movie or an adult comedy. I, 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 it really doesn't either land firmly in either one. I really enjoy it though; it's a lot of fun. Like I said, so I'm going a little lower with a B minus. It's got an audience problem. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Uh... Interesting. So, um, you know, School of Rock's one of those movies that I guess for me has changed over the years, right? When I first saw it, I'm cracking up, thought it was, you know, hilarious. Now that I'm a veteran teacher, um, there's <laughs> so many elements that make me cringe. Um, and I really have to suspend a little bit of belief. Uh, this is an example of Hollywood fun and humor in direct opposition to the really real world. Uh, but despite how I feel as an educator, um, as a supporter of the arts, I love the heart and the meaning that is layered through this movie. Yep, it's, it, it struggles for an audience, but that idea of the music and the arts as creative expression versus a marketable product, I think that's kind of neat. And there's elements of that that I think definitely come across. So it does work for me. Um, on a totally different note i'd forgotten totally sarah silverman was like a thing there for a little bit in the early 2000s mm -hmm. uh, plus we got what miranda cosgrove before i carly so you've got Very lots young, of yeah. lo lots of people kind of 
through this. Uh, for me, this probably is a little bit of great inflation, guys, because it was my pick. Uh, I'm going to A minus. I'm going to go a little bit higher than you guys. I think there's some teacher inflation, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I'm going to on a curve. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, after seeing the interior of that van, um, I think we need a fan to blow some of that nonsense out of there. <laughs> Let's find some fans for this movie. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. All right, now I'm leading off with the fan section. Uh, <clears throat> and mine's plain and simple. Sam's talking about, you know, promoting the performing arts. My fan is the portrayal of the joy of music and performing. The fun that Jack Black has on stage, even as absurd as it is. You know, and then he brings it into this classroom. And he's he ignites it in these kids or a high performing in this prestigious school. They've got it all figured out, but this is an additional thing for them, an expression that they didn't have before. And the joy that you see on these kids faces as they mature in their instruments, the production, even, you know, the, the, the lights and the, and the videos and the, the costumes, the name of the band, the management, you know, quit lowballness, you know, Miranda Cross, <laughs> you know, toward the end of the movie. Um, you know, it, it just really shows the joy uh, that you can uh, attain, you know, from a learning, you know, and it takes a lot of discipline, it takes a lot to learn an instrument, but, you know, the work is so worth it as you grow. And when you get to that point, you can, and you see these kids with the adulation of the audience and their parents and, and their peers even. Uh, so that's, that's my favorite, the joy of, of music and the joy of performing. Awesome. You know, I think my fan goes a little bit along with Dwayne's. You know, we know Jack Black for the for his over the top characters, um, some probably more believable than others in terms of a real world situation. Um, but Dewey Finn does have one redeeming quality that I really like. Dewey does what every teacher hopes that he or she can do. They find something to engage and inspire their students, Mm -hmm. and they want to help them grow and realize that potential. Sure, at first Dewey wanted to do it for his own self, but that's the character art for Dewey Finn. Uh, But the ability to do that is is something I do hold in high regard, Uh, and in his own strange, messed up way, Dewey did that. And like I said, that made that a big fan for me. Yeah, and you see it in several of the kids. I think my favorite one is the, is the drummer um, because he was so disengaged and just mm-hmm. wanted didn't wanted nothing to the school. But by the end, he's paying attention, he's involved, he's focused, and he's growing. Um, yeah, and that was my my fa- of, of of all those. That was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my fan is very similar, but it's actually the transformation of Dewey himself. Because um, at the beginning of the movie, he's just a loser. I mean, he gets kicked out of his own band, a band apparently he created. Um, and he goes to this school, I mean, just for money to pay rent, 
and he's trying to use these kids and some harebrained attempt to win the battle of the bands. Um, but at some point along the way, he begins to care about these children. And by the end of the movie, he does, he's, he's not trying to win the battle of the bands for himself. It's for them. Mm-hmm. And it's that watching that slow transformation and the, the, the moments when he engages with Tamika and the drummer kid, and when he helps the, the keyboard player, who, I can't remember any of these kids' names, when he helps him b- begin to have some self-confidence and to believe in himself and to see the guitar player begin to like love things on his own, not just, the, not just what he's supposed to do or told mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. But what, watching it from from Dewey's side of it, seeing him change, I just I, I've really enjoyed. It. Like I said, this is one of those well trod storylines. The, the selfish loser gets you know, transformed into a better person. But I liked this version of it. I liked watching mm-hmm. Jack Black as Dewey Finn go th- go through those the mm-hmm. transformational moments. So that was that was my fan. Definitely. Yeah, you know, and and I guess that's what creates the character arc you know, for Dewey in this case. And and th- I guess that's what makes that little bit of a lovable loser that he is. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's the thing with a teacher too, is you have to have that charisma and that spark to be able to instill it in the kids, you know, to get them turned on and tuned into what you're doing. But really identity theft and manipulation of children is not <laughs> the way to go. No. To accomplish that. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> it's funny you're talking about charisma. We, we watched this movie with my, my whole family, and when it was done, I asked my wife what she thought. She looked at me and goes, Jack Black's kind of a lot, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a bit. <laughs> he's, he's a bit. Yeah, his charisma's got some manic to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He brings a lot in on that plate. And with that being said, let's go grab our pans for this movie. All right, guys. So I'm leading off on pans. And so my fan was talking about how much Dewey inspired and and the things that teachers want. Now we're going to go to the really real world for my my pan. Because face it, the gel would have been jacked up and Dewey Finn would have been put under it. (laughs) Um, There would have been a literal conga line of lawsuits. Dun, 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 lawsuit. Dun, 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 lawsuit, <laughs> literally, against Horace Green Prep, the school district, Miss Mullins, and anybody else that could have been brought up on legal charges. Uh, these parents probably have their lawyers on speed dial. Uh, so, I mean, they, that's where you really have to almost suspend belief in some ways. Uh, and accept it. It's just a humorous movie in that, because if this was the real world, as Dwayne said, you know, identity theft and manipulation of children, um, you know, no, not going to fly in, in the real world. So. Well, I mean, you see Joan Cusack legitimately like losing her marbles, you know, when she <laughs> finds out what's going on. You know, so she she's aware. Oh, my. You know what a show this is going to be. I've just been informed all of your children are missing. I mean, I- <laughs> I think that was the final moment of her cracking. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're going on here. Yeah, but, that, oh. but that goes back to that audience problem because I mean, as as an older, you know, adult watching this movie, you it's hard to suspend that disbelief. That's but that, yeah. that would roll past a child. Yeah. There's a lot of not things in the movie that are not appropriate for a child. So it's No. Yeah. yeah. It's just a weird fit, you know. <laughs> uh, my pan is easy. Um this movie is sorely lacking in Joan Cusack time. Um 
and it and it feels like there's a lot of missing storyline with her. Like she was set up to do a lot more in this movie. Like she was going to be more integral, especially like there. It really feels like this movie is crying out for a love interest dynamic between her and and Jack Black's character. And it's just it's like that one scene. Um, and 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 the two of them have a really funny dynamic together. Like I could have I could have used more screen time with them. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know I don't know how you would have worked it in without you know making the movie too long, making it feel long. I just felt like we needed more John Cusack in this movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, I did a little yep. bit of digging on this movie because one of the things I was wondering, like, is if, did the kids really play their instruments? You know, and and they really did. Uh, you know, when you when you looked at, but um, that was one of the things that I found out. There was actually a kiss shot between her and Jack Black, <laughs> but in the edit, they felt that it rolled better with that just kind of hanging, that tension hanging between them. So I don't know, but I'm I'm in total agreement. You know, give me more John, give me more John Cusack, especially this era John Cusack. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's out there. We need more of the good Cusack. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> more of the good ones. yeah, definitely more of the good ones. Uh, so, not, so if not the vanilla if, Cusack. I was <laughs> going to say, so if John's vanilla, what 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 ice cream are, are you you attributing to Joan? Sherbert, <laughs> Superman. I don't know. <laughs> He's a lot more vibrant than John. <laughs> well, I'm 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 glad, Dwayne, that you did look up and and see if they played their own instruments because if they didn't. They're really good child actors because yeah. they had the mannerisms of, you know, playing those instruments down pat. Yeah, I uh, didn't dig as far as to find out, you know, how far they went with it. But it looks like at least the guitarist kid uh-huh. went went kind of pro and, and a lot of the others kind of hung around the, at least music production and stuff. But right. they did play their instruments and they were like legit, like the backup singers were legit singers. Yeah. I did. I did research into that as well. Apparently, everything but two guitar solos were played by people in the played movie. By him, yeah. there, there, there was one solo that Jack Black couldn't handle that somebody played for him, mm-hmm. and there was one guitar solo that the the young guitar player couldn't handle. And so there's that, uh, that's it. Everything else is Jack Black was in the them. Yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. else. I, th- I thought that was really really awesome, really awesome. But you know, getting back to our pans, um, I'm I'm going to say this movie wanted to tell me something. But I'm not sure what it was. I don't know that the movie really knew what it was trying to tell me. It's almost like I'm reviewing the Nacho Libre plot again. You know, what what is the narrative here? You know, inspire kids to to love music and have a great time, but don't steal identities. You know, I don't know <laughs> what. You know, I don't I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it, it really kind of felt like it, it should have had more of a message. And I think it's struggle, you know, because it is it a kid movie? Is it an adult comedy? You know, I think the struggle there really lost that plot, really lost that the thread of what it was trying to portray. The message I got was that STEM is not important. <laughs> <laughs> There's no STEM being taught once once the movie shows up. It's all it's all arts. Comic yeah. core is not music theory. No. Yeah. <laughs> See, see, that's why it's steam now. You got that A <laughs> added for the art. So, so Dewey believes in steam. I have thoughts about that, by the way. We can talk off the air. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But, you know, much like the band was seeking the prize for the Battle of the Bands, let's give uh, some actors and some scenes some awards, guys.
first out of the game on base performance, and I'm going to shock no one. I'm going Joan Cusack. Um, Jack Black is, he's a lot <laughs> in every scene he's in, but he's just doing Jack Black things all over the place. The The kids are good. They're, they're solid child actors. Miranda Cosgrove clearly had the future as a Disney kid. She's, she's got acting chops the other kids don't have. That's clear. But Joan Cusack is doing something, probably the only subtle thing in the entire movie. Um, watching her slowly unravel as the movie goes on. And we kind of, you kind of see it in stages. She's kind of, you know, you know, got that, that old fashioned stereotypical school marm thing going on. And then we start to see some cracks in the facade. You know, we start to see her getting frustrated and, you know, you know, the age is fraying a little bit. And then by the end, when the kids go missing, she's just, you know, broken. It's just, your kids are missing. Got a big smile on her face. You know, like something is cracked all the way through. She's cracked inside. And, and but she's not just doing typical Joan Cusack things. In some ways, this is a less quirky role for her than usual. And she nails it. And so I, I really loved all the Joan Cusack things. Yeah, I'm going to echo exactly that. Joan Cusack is mine. You know, even though we're in the middle of Jack Black Month, Jack Black's, like I said, a lot in this movie. But Joan Cusack, she's really doing some 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 heavy lifting in this role here. She she she's shows you the stress of an administrator. You know, even though you can tell she's kind of on the younger side. You talked about her being on the edge. You know, she's she's on the edge of seventeen as he breaks out Stevie Nicks in the bar. You know, and she just kind of you see you see the drunk principal. You know, just just kind of going. <laughs> You know, uh, that was so much fun, by the way. Uh, but yeah, Joan Cusack just took every scene she was in and, and ran, stole it. She does that a lot. Yeah, she's, she's a scene stealer. She is. She's a little yep. Well, I love, guys, that we are three for three on Best Performance. <laughs> I love it. Um, Joan Cusack as Ms. Mullen works so well. She's, and, and honestly, to me, she is the most well-rounded character in terms of adults. Uh, she is, has that adult responsibility, but there's still those little bit of youthful dreams, youthful joys, at least when she's inebriated, uh, that we see, right? <laughs> you know, where Sarah Silverman's Patty is just this all adult, 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 and Jack Black is, you know, essentially, you know, a, you know, 17, 18-year-old at all times. Uh, maybe younger than that, really, but <laughs> 13, maybe. Um, she's the one that, that is well-rounded, I think, and has a little bit more character. And, and I agree with Jamie. She's not seen enough. There needed to be a little bit more uh, Cusack in this, but uh, for what she's there, she shines. But you were talking about a story arc with her, and her arc you know, doesn't really so much change you know, it changes some, but she really reveals herself more. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you really feel like you get to see the true Mrs. Mullins, you know, coming to terms with her, you know, looseness and the uptightness, you know, that she has to mm-hmm. have as an administrator. Well, I'm next up on Best Scene, and really, there's a couple, but I'm going with the Battle of the Bands. Uh, the last scene, the Battle of the Bands, when the kids are on stage, the lights are going, they're in costume, they're nailing their instruments, you know, the crowd is taken aback, you know, and it was just beautiful. I love it. I'm, I'm just going to co-sign that. I mean, it, yeah. it's, 
it's a lot of fun, and I love this this victorious vibe it's got to it. Um, I, I really like that scene. Yeah. Once again, gentlemen, 30 for 30. Uh, and, and I think part of it is, you know, any movie that, that builds like this one does to this culminating event, you know, here's everything they've been working for. We don't just get a training montage and then we're at the Battle of the Bands. We spend the entire movie building toward this moment. Uh, and that's cool. You know, I love the fact that, you know, the feel good moment of them going to be using Zach's song, you know, Zach attack. Right. Um, even <laughs> even the parents realizing their children's talent, uh, Dewey trying to pull off the Angus Young look, you know, all that just works so well. And, and it's just it's so cool that we build to that performance. So, yeah. Definitely. It's Horace Green, not Bayside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's your best character, Sammy? All right. Um, I went ahead and gave this one to Dewey. Uh, just simply because, yeah, he's totally not believable in the terms of substitute teacher. Uh, but once again, Jack Black shines when he interacts with kids. I've said this before when we were with Nacho Libre. You know, it just works so well. And he brings that to Dewey. And when Dewey makes that turn and shows that he's really starting to care for these kids, you know, he puts that on display. And that's just the best part of that character in general. Um, I'm going to go favorite here. Um this is not the best character, but he, he was my favorite. Uh, Lawrence, the keyboard player. I mean, he was so shy. I mean, just didn't fit in, had no place in the world. And from the moment when he was telling all the kids that did what, what tell them, you know, to insult him, you know, to stick it to the man. <laughs> I forget the exact line. I think he called him a fat slob with bad, bad with body, body odor or something. Odor. I forget. <laughs> but, but that was sort of the moment where Lawrence starts to become more. He's he's starting to blossom, and just seeing him gain some confidence, to gain some self esteem, and just and begin to fit in with the other kids. I just I, I loved Lawrence. He he was just really heartwarming to me. Jamie, I'm going to challenge what you said just a little bit by saying he's not only a, the favorite character, but he really is one of the best characters in this because. He does have an arc, and you truly see it because he's he comes up to to Dewey and he's he's just all hunkered down, you know, in the lunch line. And he says, you know, I, "I need to quit the band because I'm not cool enough to be in a band. You know, I'm not I'm not awesome." And then we see as as he matures with his instrument, as he matures with self confidence, you know, that he does take that. And what's he doing at the battle? He's standing with a superhero cape. Spiked here, a sleeveless button-down shirt, you know, doing his keyboard solo, pointing people out in the audience. <laughs> you know, and then even beyond that, even beyond that, the end song in the movie, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll by ACDC. You know, they're rocking out. And he's playing the keyboard, has a million tones available at his hands. He doesn't take the obvious bagpipe solo on keyboard that he could have done. He plays this weird, funky, classical, arpeggiated, you know, <laughs> you know thing. I mean, and he took it, he owned it, and he was great. Mm -hmm. I, I love that kid. I love that kid. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, get like it, Sammy. <laughs> right. Well, our next word is best quote, and I want to say one, but I know it's going to be Sammy's answer, so I'm leaving it alone. So this this is my I'm going with my backup to leave Sammy the best uh, his best quote. So this is back to that speech about the man. Um, so Dewey has just you know gotten fired from his band. Everything's you know going wrong for him. So he comes in and tells the kids, "Give up, just quit." Because in this life, you can't win. Yeah, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to lose big time because the world is run by the man. Frankie goes, who? The man. Oh, you don't know the man? He's everywhere. In the White House, down the hall. Miss Mullins, she's the man. And the man ruined the ozone. And he's burning down the Amazon. And he kidnapped Shamu and put her in a chlorine tank. Okay? And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll. But guess what? Oh, no. The man ruined that, too. A little thing called MTV. (laughs) Hold on. My iPad's going crazy. Uh, so don't waste your time trying to make something cool but pure awesome because the man is just going to give you a fat washed up loser and crush your soul so do yourselves a favor and just give up <laughs> yeah I like, the, I like yep. the man speech yeah the man speech is good yeah. that one's good actually I like that one that was one of mine actually Okay. that was one but I think simply because as an educator myself And as a math teacher, I had to go with math is a wonderful thing. (laughs) Math is a really cool thing. So get off your ass. Let's do some math, 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 math. (laughs) I could have used my best choice. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'll mention it when we're done. Dude. Okay, go for it. So. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, the really. I'm tell you guys, this really is the best quote in the movie. I don't know if it's in the right spot because it's in the part where uh, you know Sarah Silverman and Mike White's talking to Jack about being an adult, and uh, Mike White's character Ned looks at Dewey and says, "Dewey, I'm not a, sex, a sexy satanic god anymore. I'm a working <laughs> stiff, and that's cool." <laughs> and that's one of the reasons that I can't show this movie to my kids. Dad wants a sexy satanic god. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, Sammy, you get props for singing yours, but here here's the answer you should have said. Okay, Dewey's at the lunch table, and uh, we we come upon him as he we overhear him like mid conversation, and he says, "Oh, I was this close to getting the Polish Philharmonic, and I nailed the audition, but I didn't get it." Guess who did? Yo, yo, ma's cousin, little nepotiz. Anyway, <laughs> I just decided to give up and become a teacher because those who can't do teach, and those that can't teach teach Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the same answer. <laughs> That's great. All right. Oh, guys, let's roll it on into our music movie draft section. Sam, this was your movie. You get to go first. Oh, yes, that's correct. So, um, you know, I think you can win a lot of ways with this one, right? Best music movie. So there's a lot of ways you could go. So I'm going to open up with a little movie from 2018. 
And I want to pick it because all three of us have used it as a keeping it 100. And that is Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> as my number one. Because any movie that all three of us chose for a keeping it 100 deserves to be at the top of my draft. Okay. Respect. That's a, sol- that's a solid number that's one overall solid. pick. Yeah. All right. yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> We're gonna better, it. Be, better in my American Ninja first pick, right? Yeah, that 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 is uh, Josh picking Bushimi as Alfred Label. Yeah. <laughs> There's there is hope yet. All right, uh, am I going next or you, Dwayne? You go ahead, Jamie. Okay, I'm gonna. This isn't the right answer, but I'm just. It's my favorite, and I don't want it to get sniped. I'm going Airheads, starring Brendan Fraser, Adam Sandler, and Mr. Bushimi. Oh, that's a ton of fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Well, I'm going to go with a great little movie, kind of based on a true story, a little bit inflated for the movie, but almost famous. Uh, That that is a true story where this really young kid was writing and got picked up by Rolling Stone and stuck on tour with the band. And when Rolling Stone found out, they lost their marbles. (laughs) 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 Like, why did we send a 15-year-old on tour with a band? All right, another solid that, choice. That's a definitely Almost solid famous, choice. Yeah. I like that one. All right, so number two, gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to go a year later than my first pick and go to 2019, and I'm picking Yesterday. Um, great music. Also, this idea, this great idea, such a cool, cool concept. Uh, and I hope at some point we'll be able to talk about this movie. So I'm going yesterday. I still struggle with the existence of Oasis in that world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a lot. I have a lot of bands without without uh, the Beatles. Especially Oasis. Especially Oasis. Oasis is a glorified <laughs> Beatles cover band. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm up next. I'm go- I'm just going fun. I'm just going favorites. Um, I'm going that thing you do. I I love that movie. <laughs> I'm 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 not gonna win this week. <laughs> I don't care. I, I'm just the movies I love. I love that thing you do. Yep. Um, I I love the like the dysfunction in the band. I love the Tom Hanks thing that's going on there. I just I just love that movie. It's charming. That one was totally on my list, Jamie. That thing you do, <laughs> totally. Steve's oh, on. you got snot. How's it feel? Steve's on. Lenny's going fishing. <laughs> 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 and uh and Embry totally gives off a bass player vibe. We were talking about oh, earlier gosh. about like yeah, the, the vibe yeah. people give off. 100 yep. percent Yep. Well, I'm going with the Netflix movie. Uh it was produced from a couple of books written by Nikki Six of Motley Crue. This is definitely not your family friendly movie at all. But the dirt. <laughs> Uh, is is where I'm going to the history of Motley Crue based off of the band's biopic The Dirt and his kind of biopic The uh, the Heroin Diaries. So if that tells you anything, don't watch this with the kids. <laughs> I saw that coming, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that discussion very early in my, my joining the podcast so yeah that doesn't surprise me Dwayne you picked that one so. great right. movie not yeah 
right. Back around to you, Sam. All right. Last one for my draft. Um, going back a little bit, 2005, Joaquin Phoenix did a great version of Johnny Cash in Walk the Line. Yep. Fantastic. That's how Snapped feels. That was going to be my pick. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think you got me in, Jamie, there. <laughs> okay, let's do some tape dancing here. Um, I'm going to go with a sneaky one. I'm going to go with Coco, the uh, the Pixar movie. Because yeah. um, that, sure. that's, that's an entire movie. It's a, it's it's not a movie. It's not a band movie, but it's about a, a young musician who mm-hmm. finds his ancestor who was a, you know, glorified, you know, really, you know, esteemed artist you know I, I, and it's just a great movie yep and i think is. it's i think it's one of the, the forgotten pixar movies agreed yeah yeah it really is not and i'm going to elaborate just a little bit i love that the movie uh kind of looks at you know cultural appropriation and how you know a more famous artist can really it's in essence snap a, a young mm-hmm. artist for, for material and 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 talent really take the limelight away. But yeah, that was yep. a really, really, really good pick. Really, really knocked it out there. Yep. Well, I'm going to wrap up with uh, <clears throat> another. Uh, I know Sammy mentioned Joaquin Phoenix, you know, just channeling Johnny Cash there. But I'm going to talk about another actor who channeled someone. Jim Morrison channeled, or I mean, Val Kilmer channeled Jim Morrison. <laughs> In in the Oliver Stone Doors movie, you know, and and you talk about an, an early epic movie, and this movie takes you know the the story of the Doors and Jim Morrison specifically, and the the insanity there, and and tells you all about it. But that that movie was a ton of fun, a, a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. All right, guys, um, we've got I think we have a little bit of time here. Are there any that you're sad that we that didn't get picked? Like anything on your list that you really regret not making it? Uh, I think for me, one of the other movies I had, and I chose it because to me, it was, I guess, the framework for so many movie documentaries that came after it. And that's 1964's Hard Day's Night. That idea of the band movie and the idea that it follows the band through and and all the hijinks that, that... and music that ensue, I think Hard Day's Night was, was kind of the proto version of that. That's the 1.0 uh, that everything else that comes later, I think it can definitely kind of attach to. Yeah. I want to mention, uh, it's not a great movie, but I, I love how it uh, exemplifies the music of an era and the bands and just the crowd and how all the intertangled intertwinedness of, of people can be was it singles, you know, in, mm. in the early grunge era. I, I thought that was a lot of fun as a movie. I had a couple that hurt me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, Metallica's some kind of monster. Um, the, the documentary about when the making of the album, St. Anger, when the band's That's coming apart, brutal, it's compelling. Yeah. yeah. It's compelling watch and backbeat. I love Backbeat. Backbeat's uh, so much fun. Such a good movie. Um, I was torn between Coco and Backbeat for my last choice. So, yeah. Mm, Backbeat's great. Yeah. Well, you know, when you, you start breaking it down, I mean, think about, you know, I guess it gives you an idea about the type of, of music I listened to a lot growing up and my influences. You know, movies like Great Balls of Fire with, about Jerry Lee Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, La Bamba, you know, about Bamba, Eddie Allen. and the Cruisers, yeah. Eddie, yeah. Those were all I mean, on my list. So, 
so many great music movies that that I think can, can definitely go on there. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's tons of movies and musical movies that can be talked about, but a musician who's also an actor, I would love to see him in a music movie. I'm not aware that he's ever been in one of the Keanu Reeves. Jamie, I'm sure you're familiar with his filmography a little bit. Just a little Bill bit. And Bill and Ted? So, I mean, I mean, not like a, like a, like a legit portrayal of a, of a, of like an existing band or something, you know, that like, a like, you know, like you, like you would say backbeat or the doors or yeah. walk the light or something like that. I would love to see him in something like that. So how does he connect though? to this education and music in School of Rock. Does Keanu and Black have any crossover? Uh, well, um, I'm upset Jack Blackman is continuing because these are getting hard. Um, <laughs> but I, I've got a proposal for you, though. You're talking about wanting to see Keanu in an actual music movie? How about a biopic about Chris Cornell? Ooh, that would be good. Yeah. He could he could definitely channel some Soundgarden. I could see that. Yeah. All right, so this, this week's Keanu Connection is a little bit sad. Um, we see a trajectory here. Um, our counter connection this week, his first credit was in the movie 61, the baseball movie, where he played fan. Then his next uh, credit was as spectator. Then in, con- then in School of Rock, he was concert goer. On Law and Order, he was guitarist. But then in something called Unreal, he finally gets a name. He's Matt. He finally got a name. Then on As the World Turns, he was Dean for three episodes. Oh. Careers moving up in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few more. There, and you get the point. He's moving up. He's slowly getting, uh, you know, bigger roles. You know, his career is progressing. But sadly, he passed away at only 27 years old. Uh, but his second credit as Spectator, Joe Wachowski was in Hardball, starring Keanu. So he, he spectated something in Hardball. So... <laughs> But he was concert goer in School of Rock. So Joe Wachowski <laughs> is this week's Keanu Connection. <gasps> Kaboom. Well, that's a sad uh, addition to the 27 Club. You know, that, that's so much famous with your musicians. Uh, mm-hmm. Cobain, Janis Joplin, you know, Jimi Hendrix. But uh, so that that's what that is. But... Uh, Let's bring this up a little bit. Thank you guys so much for watching School of Rock and listening to our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we hope you guys have enjoyed as much as we have. I wouldn't have went sad, but it's. It I is mean, it's you, tough. It is. Yeah. It is, it there is no. There is almost no overlap between the worlds of Jack Black and Keanu Reeves. And and you know it's it's interesting too to show the lot of this you know actor as he's trying to make a name for himself you know and he's he's your spectator fan concert goer matt you know and then, and then he starts getting a couple things and then you know laugh you know in whatever manner just 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 tuck him out you know that's, 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 that's. hey and here we are we've got a month with five mondays <laughs> right right, right. So it's like five jack black movies <laughs> So Jamie's like, oh man, I still got two more weeks of this. I'm now Dwayne's getting ready to to showcase our next one. The next one scares me because it's got a small cast, and I don't think there's any overlap. Oh my! <laughs> well, if that lets you know anything, you have um, Jack Black, Karen Gillian, Kevin Hart, and The Rock in Jumanji. 
coming up next week on that. So uh, we've done a little bit of digging. It is available with a subscription. If you subscribe to FX Now or Spectrum, it is available on those subscriptions. Or if you you know, have Prime Video, Vudu, or Roku, it's a $2.99 rental. Or you can drop $3.99 on Redbox. But Jumanji, welcome to the jungle will be our next in, and last installment in Jack Black Month. Jamie, as we prepare to be sucked into the video game, what are we going to do? We're going to wonder desperately why there's no Axl Rose cameo in this movie as we keep it nerdy. Mm-hmm.